Welcome in to episode 45 of the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. I never thought that we would get this far in, in the six months that we've done the podcast, but it's going to be close to 50 episodes before the year ends. Before we go into season two of the podcast, it will be almost 50 episodes, which is crazy to me. I appreciate you sticking with me. I appreciate the sponsors that we've had so far with Melly Cafe and the Chicago Wolves being a part of it. And there might be some other sponsors coming up in the next uh, few weeks, which I'm really excited about. Part one of the conversation with my students last week with Matthew Zafe and, 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 and Bella Michaels. I thought it was really cool, and I thought that it was a lot of fun the, the first hour. So let me just tell you how it went. Initially, my plan was for us to talk for 45 minutes, that I'd have the opportunity to talk with them. They We kind of do a fun, like, ask me anything type deal about the business. You get to know who they are so that when you see them pop up on the scene later on, you're not surprised. What ended up happening is that we talked for a little over two hours. So that's why I thought I would make it two episodes instead of one, because I, it's asking a lot for you to stick around for two hours in one sitting. And I know that people, they consume podcasts in different ways. Some people are like, if it's good, you know, let it ride for two hours. But I thought I would break it up and you could jump in and go backwards because it's not like they're sequential. I could have done part two as part one. But I I went in order of the way that things went, and there's a distinct difference between part two and part one. And the difference is, is what the content is about. Like, the content becomes a little bit more about me and my career in part two. And there's a lot of questions in here that people have asked me, whether it's, you know, on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever, but I, I thought my students did a really good job of kind of getting to the heart of the matter in the way that they asked their questions. And the cool part about Matthew and Bella is that because they did a bunch of shows together in my class, they know how to work with each other. And it's it's really fun. Like at, listening back to it as an instructor, the fact that Matthew fires off a bunch of questions without Bella feeling compelled to jump in and the same thing happens the other way where Bella wanted to ask follow-ups and Matthew didn't feel compelled like that's that takes a while to learn there are a lot of professionals who don't understand sometimes you got to let your partner go do their questioning and not worry about having your voice heard so they did a, a wonderful job but there's a lot in here like there's, um, I mean, it, it. The first question, I'll just leave it up to you to to listen. But the the first question takes takes us down a really interesting rabbit hole, and it's about failure, and particularly mine. What what my biggest failure is as a broadcaster, it's in there. You'll also learn about some of my philosophies on radio. You'll learn why why Joe Ostrowski and I are so close, why of the people that are, are here, he is probably, he and Herbie and, and Tanny are like high on the list of people that I trust, 
because of the nighttime show and what happened when I took over the nighttime show. So that's in there. How the House of L found its focus, like how I figured out that this is the way that I wanted the podcast to go, is also in here. And you'll get a sense of if if you're interested. Not I don't know if you would be. But if you want to know, like, well, wait, what's your class like? You'll get a sense of what the class is like, too, through the eyes of two of my students. So thanks for checking out part one. It did really well. I feel like part two might do better because it's a little bit more salacious is not the right word. It's a little bit more probing. Part one was more fun. This is a little bit more serious. So here it is. Part two. This is Matthew Zaif and Bella Michaels interviewing yours truly. What was like one of your biggest failures? And how did you grow from this failure? Oh, my God. That's a wonderful question. I did a show back in 2009, a midday show with Dan Hampton, a Bears legend, Hall of Fame player. And it was kind of a shotgun wedding, the two of us. Now, the great part about this is that 10 years later, like that guy is is my friend and and been my advocate. We did some TV stuff together when I was working in Channel 5. But doing a radio show that wasn't Bears-centric was weird because I had been covering the Bears up until that point for every day uh, for, what, seven seasons at that point? And obviously, he is an oracle when it comes to Bears football. He is one of the, the, the guys that people talk about in great detail. So we did this show every day. And the show, I want to say, started in March, which was also weird. Because why is Dan Hampton doing a show going into baseball season? Mm-hmm. So we struggled. Like, we struggled terribly. And I thought that I didn't do a great job of bringing him along. And I kind of knew that we were doomed. (laughs) When he said to me, he's like, okay, so you watch baseball every night. I'm like, yes. Like both teams. Yes. Because we're going to have to talk about it tomorrow. He's like, every night? I was like, yeah, that's what we have to do. And I was like, we're doomed. Like, <laughs> He's already questioning the format. Yeah, well, he, he, he doesn't do this. So what was great is he liked to occasionally place a wager. And so he found that his way to get interested was to do the work of, if I'm going to gamble on this game, which way would I gamble? But it didn't work. It, it, the show didn't work. It didn't resonate with the audience. And I think eight months in, the score pulled the plug on it. And I didn't know what – I had never been fired ever and haven't been since. I had never been in a position where I had failed so publicly. Hmm. Like this was a disaster. And I remember when they told me that they were going to go in a different direction. And I went home. I went back to my uh, apartment in Kenwood. And I just – I pulled the covers over my head on my couch and just cried. <laughs> Because I had failed. Like, it was it was a monumental failure. And I was trying to decide, am I still going to do this? Like, does this end me as a broadcaster? Like, I have my shot. That's my dream job. Like, the, the midday show at the score was my dream job. And I was like, man, I had it. And I lost it. 
I had it. It was in my grasp. I need to be better. What can I do to be better? Why didn't, why wasn't I able to make the show work? With time, I've realized nothing was going to make that show work. Had you put me in Hamp on on Sundays after Bears game, we'd have rocked it. It would have been the most listened to show in radio. Like, we would have done a great Bears show. And we did. We actually did a Bears show on television um, a couple years later when I got to Channel 5. And it was great. It was one of the most magical times of my career. But my boss said, I want you to... I want you, and I I really appreciate Mitch Rosen for this. He's like, I want you to take a couple days off. I want you to figure out what's next, and I want you to host the nighttime show, and I want you to do it by yourself. And after taking a couple days to mourn, and because that's what it was, like I was mourning the the fact that the midday show didn't work. I I kind of said, okay, I get to do the show that I've always wanted to do. And what was great is that the executive producer of my show is a guy named Joe Ostrowski, who I adore. He had an opportunity. I think he was producing the morning show, and they had brought someone else in. And so they had replaced Joe. So Joe came to work with me at nights. So it was like we were these these exiles. Like, that's, that's how we kind of looked at it. Like, we were these two exiles that were like, that's never, ever going to happen again. Mm. We're going to put together a show that is amazing and great. And I'm so happy that he was the guy that was there to kind of catch me because he understood my frustration and my anger. We were both like in the same place in this really like weirdly creative place because we were so angry. And it allowed us to build a show and then we had you know Chris Tannehill who was one of the sound guys who now does afternoons over at the at the score the most brilliant sound guy we just happened upon him and he was great and the Herb Lawrence who's now my executive producer at night he was there too and I started to kind of build myself back up so <clears throat> was the opportunity to work with Joe on the nighttime show was that enough to curb all of your uh, feelings of self-doubt or was there I mean, was this a longer healing process or did you kind of snap back right as you got back on the air? It, it, I am most comfortable in a radio studio. So even when I go on vacation, it's weird for me. It's hard. Like I, being away from the studio is troubling. I don't like doing shows on the road because there's something about the, the ecosystem of a radio studio that calms me to a certain degree. Um, I just think that we were, it was the perfect marriage. I don't know if it would have worked had it been anyone else because he understood where I was coming from, that the way that I was going to go about the preparation of the show, how I was at a point where if I was going to fail, I was going to fail doing what I wanted to do and not what anyone else wanted me to do. Now, there are concessions that you have to make throughout your entire career, and there are some that I, I make now, like, but... I want to take on projects where my me being unique actually adds value to it. And so that gave us a chance and we did we did great analysis. I think we had a lot of fun. Um, Joe's since been promoted to on air and he's great. He is now one of the foremost authorities in Chicago 
and honestly around the country when it comes to sports betting, which is a niche that he figured out like, oh, here's where I fit. This is something that I like, that I'm passionate at, that I can do. Mm. And, and and it's become that. So it was it was hard. But I mean, those those days in between were really difficult because I was in complete doubt of myself and my skills that maybe this isn't for you. Maybe you need to reevaluate where it is you're at. But I also felt a little pot committed. I also felt like you've given up so much at this point. You you have to keep going with it. So I'm I'm really happy that Mitch gave me the opportunity to to take the nighttime show and take ownership of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's my show. And 10 years later, I feel like we've done we've done some incredible stuff and I th- felt like I got better as a broadcaster. Like I I actually thought that one of my weaknesses as a broadcaster was interviewing. I didn't, I didn't think I was great at it. I'm good in a room. Like I'm good at a press conference. But sitting down and interviewing someone is a different skill set. So I started listening to guys that I liked doing interviews. I started listening more to Dan Patrick because I think that he's really good at doing interviews. And I wanted to add some of that to my own quirkiness. And it's it's worked out. But, man, like that was – I don't even know if I've ever really talked about this. So that's that's a great job by you of asking a, a, a good question. Well, I appreciate that. Could you just describe a little bit what that transition period was like? I mean, now you got your show. You know you're with Joe. You guys are going to be a creative force to be reckoned with. But was there a, a lot of time before you kind of felt like you hit your stride? Or was it kind of just like we're here, we know what we're doing, and you just kind of ran with it? I would say that it probably took about six months where we felt like this is the template for what we're going to do, where it's we're listening back to stuff or we're saying, well, why don't we do this? Like, why don't we why don't we take advantage of what you did out in the field? Like Joe was really good about why don't we play more sound like you're Mm -hmm. a solo host, play more sound react to the sound people want to hear what you think about what this guy said and it has become something that we've done we've we my sports show is kind of stripped down to it's it's like bare minimum type stuff like we and some of that is because the show gets truncated i look at it as like a news program like i i look at it as the daily show but with sports so let's talk about the big stories of the day. Let's have a little bit of fun. Here's a soundbite that we can all listen to and react to. And Joe kind of helped me figure out that, that that template was there. It was a lot of trial and error. We weren't trying anything that was crazy. Like we weren't trying to reinvent the wheel. Sports talk is pretty simple when you get to it. It's just a matter of can you perfect the elements that, that seem simple but are really kind of difficult. We weren't trying to be incredibly innovative or we're going to totally change sports talk. It was just, let's, let's do the things that you can do well and let's do it more often. Right. So rather than abide by a typical formulaic format, you decided that you guys knew what you had to bring to the table and you wanted to just showcase your talents as best as possible. Yep. And, and Joe was in a place where he was super competitive. Like he was like, I'm the best producer here. I'm going to get you the best guest. And, and what, I think are best guests. And this is this is where I think we really vibe 
as host and producer. Big names are not always great guests. You can have a star athlete on your show, and the interview's terrible because that person doesn't want to give. What Joe was great at was finding people who knew how to talk. It's a, it's a really simple concept for radio, but he wanted to find people who could explain different things in sports. So that might be a great columnist. That might be a reporter who I have a rapport with. That might be uh, an author of a book that we have no, like we, we're not even thinking about, but it relates to something that's going on in Chicago sports. We got away from the competitive side of, well, let's, let's try to get, for example, let's get Chris Bryant on the show. Chris Bryant's great, and, and when I've talked to him, he's been outstanding. But Barry Rosner, the guy from the Daily Herald, better talker more interesting and is going to give us an opportunity to hold the listener a little bit more than than even hey chris bryant's going to be on the score because chris bryant's going to say all the right things right he's used to it he's been his whole life and that doesn't mean that that's bad it just means for what we were doing we were like we can we can take that formula and change it a little bit and and give people better long form interviews than Everyone's competing for the same couple of guys here or there. And you stumble upon great interviews. You stumble upon people that like your show, that will come back, that will come in studio to do interviews. And and when Joe and I figured that out, we were like, let's go. Like, let's let's bring people in. Let's have conversation. I would say over the last, like, five years, we've been – We've, we've tried desperately to be more in studio for some reason. And it bothers me still. We've done all this stuff with technology, but we can't get a cell phone call. Right. Like <laughs> they still break up. The lines still break up. So we wanted to eliminate that element as much as we could. People don't really have landlines anymore because that's ideal for calling in. But if we can ask our friends and, and people that have become our friends to come in studio, the sound quality is just 100 times better. And, and it makes for a better experience for the listener. I believe that the listener will listen longer to a subject that he doesn't or she doesn't care about if the person is in studio. And I know this because I've done it. Mm -hmm. There have been times where I'm listening to Howard Stern interview someone that I don't care about, and I walk away going, wow. Wow, Katy Perry is really interesting. Right, 100%. 100%. And Joe was like, we should keep doing that. So it's that's that's where I would guess I would say like our innovation in it came. But it it came from this, this balled-up anger and resentment that we had and I felt like we channeled it in a really good way. And I think that it's worked out for all of us. Joe's been promoted. I'm happy. And now like my show has become the show. It's like a transient show. Like you come do my show for a little while and then you go on to the next thing that you're going to do. And that's a big deal for me. Like I always, I joke that if you, when you graduate from my show, I'm really happy. When you, you get asked to do afternoons or you go on and do your own talk show in Milwaukee or or you go to South Dakota, like I am here for it um, because 
I, I look at it as that being a big part of my job is to help a young producer or a young update anchor or a young reporter get to the next thing. That's important to me. That was like one of the first things you said to us on day one of class is that you're a firm believer in the the mantra of lift as you climb. Mm -hmm. And that was something that stuck with me from day one. And I mean, I'd listened to you previously on the radio and I had this idea of who you were in my head. But when you that was like one of the first things you hit us with during your introduction. And that just kind of solidified like, all right, I'm very glad I signed up for this because I know I'm going to be working with someone who actually cares. It's a big deal. There are people in our industry that that don't care about that. And that's their right. Like they're, they're there to do them and there's nothing wrong with that. But I've found it's a better environment when I know that everyone has goals and maybe your goal isn't to produce the nighttime show at the score. Okay. Well let's do the best job that you can at producing it. And then when you're done, I want to help you do the next thing that you want to do. Even if the next thing is you want to replace me, because quite honestly, Joe is Joe would be if if I ever leave the score, Joe would be the perfect candidate to replace me. He 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 has a a way of doing things that I think would be a great listen. But whatever he wanted to do, I'm I'm in 100 percent support of it. And I I want to help that person get to it. I joke about my tree, like my broadcasting tree. I'm very proud of it. Like some of the people that have come through and been interns or producers on my show, I mean, that's a, it, it's a good list. Like Nick Friedel was my intern. And the fact that that guy is out there killing it right now. And that when I see him or if I need something, I can call him and, or I can text him or hit him up on DM and he's got me like those type of things like I get excited about, you know, I, I, I look at it and say, yeah, I helped that person in, in a small way or, or, or like you might even remember years from now the, the concept of lift as you climb and that you'll give that to someone else and they'll be able to take that with them. And that like that's a that's important. Like my former students, that's a big deal to me when former students succeed and it, it may be in small part because of something that they picked up in class. Like that's, there's no better feeling than that. None. You're such a mentor to us. Who was your, who had been your mentor that got you to this point? Oh man, that's a, also a wonderful question. Well, I, I brought up Steve Dahl earlier. He, he would probably bristle at the impact that he's had on me. He would probably be uncomfortable because it's different genres. Um, I did. I do sports. It's, Steve loves sports, but he doesn't really do sports. And he used to have me on his podcast uh, a long time ago. And it was weird because it was a, a different cross-section of audience for me. And I would see, like, followers on Twitter or, or, or at the time, Facebook, or the people that wanted to friend me. Like, I heard you on the Doll podcast, and I really, really liked you. So... Steve is really high on that list of people that, that helped me. Doug Buffone, who I mentioned earlier as well. Um, gaining that, I get, you know, you guys know that I'm an emotional dude. Um, <laughs> but gaining that guy's respect when it came to my football coverage was huge. That guy played 14 years in the NFL. Played next to Dick Buckus. And 
when I got to the point where he was asking me what I thought about the Bears game or what I thought about what was said at Hallis Hall. Like, that was a big deal. He wrote in his book, it was, I, I still have it, uh, he wrote that he had never seen anyone work as hard as I did and that he thought that my my zenith of my career would be doing, like, a national show. Like, and that meant the world to me. Um, as far as at the score, other guys at the score, the Boers and Bernstein show, they're – their ability to not have ego when it came to I used to do a bear report with them every day five o'clock uh, that to me is um, I, I joke about that all the time with guys that is the type of territory that you want like that is the that's nice real estate if you can get five o'clock people are getting in their car they're leaving work and you're talking about the most important team in Chicago they allowed me to do the segment however I want it. Like, you're there, we're not. So you tell us what happened. And they they allowed for me to just do what I do. And it, it gave me a, a lot of favor. I mean, I, and I talk about my boss, Mitch. But on the, on the TV side, um, there were some really good people. Like, people who were better to me than they should have been. Peggy Kaczynski from Channel 5 high on my list of people that I respect and like Paula Ferris who's now you know doing an incredible religious podcast which I'm not surprised about at all she is was amazing to me like trying to help me transition from doing radio to television which is not an easy thing to do there are some great examples of it Robin Baumgarten knocks it out the park and she was a, a long time like radio personality and, and she did a great job with it Krista Ruck who's a name that you won't know. She's executive producer of sports at Channel 2. She was my, she was the executive producer at Channel 9 when I was an intern there. And I'm now, I mean, I've known Krista now for 20 years. She still actually refers to me as Little Lawrence. Like, <laughs> like still. Like, she will see me on TV and be like, oh, Little Lawrence is on TV. <laughs> um, but she was instrumental in helping me figure out, like, what type of journalist that I wanted to be like what how you go about handling a press conference or dealing with a team that's not happy so there's there's I, I know that there's a, a list of people that I'm and there's tons of people that I'm like forgetting here but those are the ones that immediately come to mind as being significant in in where I'm at right now and like the next thing that I end up doing well you mentioned just now that he you, the people that were mentoring you let you do you and that's exactly what you did with us in class you didn't have uh where you're like okay you need to talk about this and this is what you need to do and this is how you have to do it you literally told us you have this time frame do your thing and that's that's the type of i i wanted like to, i wanted to make sure that you guys understood that i did i don't want clones yeah right i'm happy that you're on my tree but I don't want you to be exactly like I want you to be better. Like so I the way that that's going to happen is if if you allow your individuality to flourish. Like I'm still I'm super happy that you know the two of you are sitting here because I felt like they're different but it could work. And when you guys would do shows together I'm like god like that really did work. Like they're <laughs> they're really good together. 
And I, I don't want carbon copies. I want you to build a, a resume reel that is going to accentuate who you are. There's lots of people out there that you can copy, mm-hmm. you know, like you can tons of them. But if you're original, people tend to flock to that. And I, I want to I want you to explore who you are because it's going to change. Like we're going to have this conversation. I'm going to be finishing my podcast 10 years from now, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm going to be retired in Arizona teaching at the Cronkite school. <laughs> And Bella's gonna be like a big star on TV, no. and I'm gonna, and she's gonna be different, but there'll be an element of who she is right now. There, you'll be the person running the the Meekum <laughs> auctions, <or something>. <laughs> <laughs> and and we'll sit down and talk, and and you will have learned so much, but you will have also stayed true to like some core principles of who you are. So that that sort of thing is is important. Like I I see. Some people making the mistake of, I want you to do it like I do it. And I'm like, uh, be better. If you're a copy, then why would people want to go to you when there's already someone else that's the original one they can go to? Facts. That's why news outlets, we learn, why why do people go to certain news outlets for original information that they can't find anywhere else? So if the Tribune and the Times and the Herald and everyone's basically talking about the same exact thing in the same exact way, why... Why are you going to choose those over another one where they're giving you news about a certain player that you don't know? Right. And there's a degree of evolution, like you mentioned. I mean, who we are right now may not be, you know, who's reflected 10 years from now. So, I mean, like, how have you changed, you know, from your time? Oh, my God. I know this is a, you know, a deep question, but. I know I've, I've, I've joked about this in class occasionally. I talk about this on the air all the time. 27 year old me hates 43 year old. Oh, no. Oh, he hates him because 27-year-old me was like, you got your opportunity. You're on the air. You should be screaming about everything that makes you angry. (laughs) That's what good sports talk is. And the 43-year-old me is like, okay, that, that can be effective occasionally, but we don't have to do that all the time. We don't have the energy to do that all the time. And honestly, the audience tunes you out at a certain point. Mm-hmm. If all you're doing is presenting anger, if all you're produ- doing is presenting everything sucks and everything's terrible, you're not showing – I'm not like that all the time. Like when I'm at home, I'm, I mean, Mello probably – she has some <laughs> thoughts on this too. But I'm pretty quiet. I enjoy and I emote. Like I watch sports and I emote. So why not accentuate some of that stuff when I'm doing the show? I I would say that 27-year-old me was reckless on the air. Like, that guy was reckless. I was doing the journalistic stuff. Like, I was fact-checking. But you have to be responsible for your opinion. Mm -hmm. And when I got the opportunity to go out more and more to cover games, I realized that there was a responsibility in it and that might mean that there are going to be people that hate you there there might be people that hate you and i've 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 come across well not hate hate's a strong word but people who don't like what you do or don't like the way that you do it i have had plenty of confrontations with coaches front office people and athletes in a lot of those cases i have made my point about whatever it is my opinion was and it's been respected 
And like, okay, I get where you're coming from. You've done your homework. That's fine that we disagree on this. Kenny Williams and I probably have a blow up once every couple of years. <laughs> like he he heard something or I said something that he didn't like. And we have like one year we literally were yelling at each other on the backfields at Camelback Ranch at spring training. So much so that an official from the White Sox texted me and was like, are you all right? Like, is everything <laughs> like, okay. And we had a, a long conversation about what happened. And what I found out is that Kenny Williams and I are a lot alike. So that's part of the reason that we continue to butt heads, but it's always good. And then whenever I see him, like I'm happy to see him. Like, and he's, he seems like he's happy to see me, but that dude was reckless. The 43 year old version of me is not as reckless. And there's, there's more joy in what I do. And I, I, I have opened myself up to allowing a little bit more of that to come through. Like I love sports. Like still I will watch. I don't care if, if there's a, if I'm driving and there are a couple people playing basketball and it seems like real, like I will stop and watch to see what the next basket is going to be. Like I still dig that. And so if I can bring that to the audience, whether it's on radio or television, um, I, I feel like that's the the lesson that I've learned over the last, I would say over the last 10 years, but definitely over the last 15 years that you don't have to do sports talk the way that it was done in the 90s. where And th there are some people that have actually made a cottage industry out of the yelling and the screaming. Right. I, I, I just can't. Like, I'm not there. Now, it doesn't mean it's not in my bag. Like if I'm using the metaphor of of a golfer, it's in I, the driver's in my bag, and there are times when it is called for, but I found that it's effective, more effective, if I don't do it all the time. Right. If if I'm upset about something, and I like take it there, like really take it there, I hope my hope is that the listener is like. Yo, this is <laughs> this is real. This is real yeah. right now. And it happened it happened last year where one night I came in and I had just had enough of John Fox. Enough. Like enough. It was ridiculous. Like he he wasn't coaching the team well. He wasn't presenting the Bears well, in my estimation. He just seemed sour and awful. And I launched. Like I I told Herbie, my EP, I was like, look, it's about to go down. He was like, oh, baby, let's go. You know? so, <laughs> and, and I went into a what I would consider, for me at this point, a tirade about John Fox. I lit John Fox up for 30 minutes Oof. without a break. Oof. I lit him up. And it's one of those things where sometimes, like, when I lose it like that on the air, like, I do have some perspective, and I'm like, did I go – too far with that and Herbie was like no you did not and I got a message from a friend of mine who works in the NFL and was like yo that was harsh and I, but authentic completely authentic and there are a lot of people who feel the same way at Hallis Hall and around the league that you do the rant Another friend of mine sent the rant to Mike Tirico, who was calling the Bears game on Sunday Night Football. So every time that he referenced how Chicago felt about John Fox, 
he was referencing what I was talking about. That's awesome. That's pretty crazy. That is. Well, we talked about your biggest failure. Are you guys like light on time? Like, no, I'm, other... I'm, All right, okay. I'm in I, no rush. I don't no, want to keep yeah, you. Got... Apparently, this is going to be a two-parter. Are you joking? You know you're our, you're, you're our, uh, what is it? What is it? You're high on our pro- priority list. Okay. Yeah. Anytime with Lawrence's precious time. All right. I yeah, just we're, wanted we're, to make sure. We're just honored to be here. Yeah. Honestly, this is anything. a huge honor. Are you joking? All right. <laughs> I, I just I wanted to be respectful of your time. <laughs> oh, no. You're... This is awesome. Honestly, thanks again for having us. Oh, no problem. But we talked about your biggest failure. I want to ask you, what has so far been your biggest success? Mm. So 2014, there are two. 2014, I was trying to decide. Like My deals are every couple years, so at the score. And I was trying to decide if I was going to go back. And I re-signed. And I was doing the nighttime show and I got an email from my boss that said I had been nominated for broadcaster of the year from the Illinois Broadcasters Association. And it wasn't sports talk host. It wasn't it radio host. It was broadcaster of the year. I didn't win, but I was a finalist for it. Like, that's a big deal for me. Like being one of three finalists yeah. for that award was a big deal. The the other thing is you know, I, how I feel about people who have worked on the show. Like, that's a big deal, too. Like, I don't want that to get lost. But the show I do now, the football show that I do now on NBC Sports Chicago, I've never had as much fun doing television as that. Like, I look forward to it every week. I, I feel like we do a fun show that's informative. And I've never been given this much leeway. Like my my boss Kevin Cross uh, over at NBC Sports Chicago basically said to me, "I want you to do a radio show on television." I was like, "Bet I can do that," <laughs> and I want you to do it with these guys. And last year, you know, with Jim Miller and Alex Brown and Lance Briggs, and Jim took a, an opportunity to go over to Fox, which was great for him, and we added in Matt Forte, which was great for us. And I I feel like we're doing something cool. Like we're we're having like in my mind, our show is like the TNT basketball show and I get to be Ernie Johnson. Like I get to have these incredibly outsized personalities that I deal with and allow them to just do whatever they do. So I look forward to it every single Sunday. Like the crew that works on our show is unreal. They work so hard to try and get everything together. Our social media people do a great job with it too and like seeing how quickly they'll turn around something crazy that one of those guys will say and and turn it into something is a blast but we did a a thing last year it's at the top of my twitter feed um i i, I put it there and just left it there where they were playing um apache from sugar hill gang um in the studio where we were talking with jj stankovitz and you know, jump on it jump on it <laughs> and i'm doing like the dance like in my chair i saw that it's it, on your twitter yeah it is <laughs> it is that that moment is probably my favorite moment on television because and you're in a suit so you're all suited up <laughs> right, like formal right you don't even have to know you don't have to hear the music to know exactly what i'm doing yep and everyone got involved and the fact that jj at the end of it JJ, who's this buttoned up, serious <laughs> reporter, was like, oh, yeah, jump on it. And then, like, did the thing. I was 
we were floored. We were absolutely floored. I don't know if I've ever laughed so hard on television. It ended up being a great time. So that those things, along with my students and my interns and producers that go on and do great stuff, like those those are the things I'm probably most proud of. Well, what's the crazy? Now I'm curious. What's the craziest thing you've done or experienced? Hmm. This could be maybe having <laughs> someone plan to come on your nighttime show who you had high expectations for and maybe turn out to be a total disaster. Just throwing that out there, too. That I happened. did an interview. Jonathan Hood and I. Jonathan Hood is a talk show host over at ESPN. He is one of the most creative guys with sound uh, in, in the world. Like, he, he does incredible impersonations. He does a great one of me, <laughs> which is outstanding. We did an interview with Jake the Snake Roberts. This was very early in my career. It's so funny that you bring it up because I was talking with my wife about this. Um, wrestlers, an interview with a wrestler can go one of two ways. It can be the greatest interview you've ever done or the saddest interview that you've ever done. Oh, no. And Jake the Snake Rob Roberts was dealing with an addiction to crack at the time that we, no. and he, I want to say he had lost his daughter uh, custody of his daughter and we went down the dark well with him and we I walked away from that interview like what what just happened what yeah. just happened and it's it stays with me like him talking about addiction and and crack and all of it like it stays with me even to this day like just Saturday we were having because we had uh, Dan Lebetard, whose show I adore, I think it's the best sports show in the country. I, I watch and listen to it every day. And he had Kamala, the Ugandan giant, on. And Kamala is really, the guy's name is James. He's from Mississippi. He's not from Uganda. Um, <laughs> he, he was talking to them. He was having a great conversation with them. And then in the interview, he revealed how he's lost both legs to diabetes like he's broke, like the whole night, and I was just like, ah. Oh. Oh. And that that's that's what sparked the conversation with me and Mel. She goes, Have you ever had something like that happen? And I was like, Yeah, let me tell you about this interview that I did oh. with Jake the Snake Roberts back in the well, day. Well, if you're interested about Jake the Snake and what he's up to today, he was actually just on Rogan a couple weeks ago. Okay. And actually it was a pretty interesting interview. It well, did it wasn't as depressing as uh, well, pure crack addiction and everything. Yeah, but. he's he's I, I, I want to say Diamond Dallas Page helped him, too. Like, Because okay. DDP has been doing yoga, and I had DDP on the show a couple years ago where he's helped a lot of those guys who are are addicted to stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> that, that was an all-timer. Like, that was a straight-up all-timer for me. So were you finding yourself, like, backtracking at all, like, during his uh, his? Oh, rant? yeah. I was, were you trying to change the subject the whole time? No, 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 no. No, we like we made the decision. The two of us had made the decision. This is where this is going, and it was nonverbal. Just we're gonna keep seeing if there's more layers to this, hmm. and there ended up being a lot more layers to it. Wow, a ton. I would have loved to be in the room for that one. It was. Yep. I'll see if I can find a tape. It's probably Hood probably has a ta an actual tape of that interview because it was. Like, we both looked at you like, oh, we got, like, chills, like, afterwards because it was so – because our show was, like, a wrestling show. So it was, like, this happy-go-lucky, like, Raw was just over. So we were talking about wrestling, and here's Jake the Snake Roberts. And it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Would you ever consider interviewing a 
like a, a rapper or a music artist? I have. Who? Common. Whoa. Ooh. That is awesome. And in the interview with Common, I've referred to it a couple times in the pot. We had an interview with him, and he actually told me that he wanted to be Green Lantern. This was years before. Oh, wow. They, they A year before the Green Lantern movie came out. So wow. I guess he had tested to play uh, John Stewart, who is one of uh, the Green Lanterns, and they went with Ryan Reynolds. And it was like right after the movie just bombed that we had him on. And he was like, yeah, maybe they should have gone a different way <laughs> with it. But, yeah, I've, I've interviewed uh, uh, a bunch of – musicians here and there actors uh, i i enjoy like i i really do like jake johnson quite a bit and it's weird that we've become kind of friendly because he grew up listening to the score that's another thing that's weird for me is oh man i've been listening to you since i was young i'm like how old am i like <laughs> at this point in my life but there are other hosts now around the country that are like I used to listen to you and, and Dan Zampillo, who was uh, my my old partner. I used to listen to you guys when I was young, and now they're hosting shows in Minneapolis and Miami and San Diego and Milwaukee and stuff. And that's bizarre. Who are your favorite music artists? I love The Roots. I am a big fan of DJ Jazzy Jeff. His... His Beyond Wonderland mix, if you look it up on SoundCloud, if you want to get a sense of who I am musically, that hits all the right notes. Like everything that's on there is pretty much who I am musically. I love Stevie Wonder. Like that's a that's mm -hmm. a, a a guy. Like that's one of Definitely. my like in my mind, like a dream concert is and you could go either way, but a dream concert for me is Stevie Wonder opening up for Prince. Oof. Wow, and that's I, powerful. And I believe President Obama had that. I think that, that I think that happened. I think that there was a, a a a night where they both performed for the president, and I was just sitting there going, "Huh, that's exactly what I would do if I were president." Stevie Wonder and Prince would be at my house. So the, the Prince is a, a a big force. Like I love Prince's music. The fact that. He made a an album with no bass and black people bought it. That to me is amazing. <laughs> like one of the highest selling records of all time. I love Led Zeppelin. And that's because when I was in high school, we had the radio station at my high school was a rock format. So it gave me the opportunity to branch out musically. Mm -hmm. Where I was an R and B and definitely uh, uh, I was born the same year as rap music. So like rap is a big deal to me. Eight it opened my horizons to Led Zeppelin, and obviously they were stealing from blues people, so that allowed me to kind of go backwards and, and listen to blues. But that uh, David Bowie and David Bowie and Queen, like that song Under Pressure, has uh, a lot of meaning to those of us who came through the Home of Flossman radio program. Because we remember I told you guys that we would do these documentaries? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we do these 55 minute documentaries. And the song that would play before every documentary was Under Pressure. And the timing aspect of it was a big deal. So you had to, all the snaps at the end, you have to time them out. Did you use a metronome or something for no, it? No, I mean, you have to literally count out. I, I want to say it's 14 snaps. I, I <laughs> It's been 30 years that since I've had to do this, but I think it's 14 snaps. Because at the end of the song, 
that's when the timer starts in your dock. So you have to be on it. So anytime I hear that song, I immediately revert back to junior year of high school and getting ready for the documentary like that. So, I mean, it's a lot of stuff. Like there's a lot of artists that that I love and will cape for and all sorts of stuff. But that that's a that's a fairly representative list that I gave you. What about like uh, 90s era hip hop music? Because I feel like that is a like, tribe called Quest. Tribe called Quest. Like, do you like ever listen to, like Gangstar? Yeah, like, Far Side. Far, you, you're hitting all the right notes. I've actually Fife from a Tribe Called Quest used to come whenever he was in Chicago. He would come do my show. Whoa! So I did one of the last interviews with Fife before he died. Wow! And and he was a big sports junkie. So we would talk like we almost never talked music. Really? Yeah. Like we. I mean, there were questions. Like I had questions. Sure. But he'd want to talk about what was up with the Blackhawks or like he'd like, oh, I'm going to the Cubs game. You know, what? where should I go? Like, where should I go hang out? Like, that was always cool. Like my, my EP Herbie surprised me with that one night where he's like, go to break. And I'm like, why? Like, it's, it's not what the clock like we have times we're supposed to break. He's like, just go to break. I'm like, OK. I'm like, is there something wrong? He's like, no, Fife's here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Get him in here. He's like, Fife's downstairs. So I'm going to go get him. Wow, that's and awesome. I, and I was like, what? Like, come on. <laughs> and then he came in there and did like an hour. And we just like hung out and talked about stuff. That is so cool. Yeah, that's those are fun moments. Like those are. And sometimes like I like taking the audience for that ride. There are a lot of people that may not be like, well, why is he doing this? And then they'll be like, I dug that. Like even if they don't necessarily know who a Tribe Called Quest is or whatever, they they get down with it and they 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 give me a lot of my program director gives me a lot of latitude because he trusts that I'm going to make the right decision on some of this. Like I'm not going to go. It's not going to go too long. It's not going to. Mm -hmm. But he he trusts that I'm going to try and do the right thing with some of those guests. And he supports it. Like sometimes I'll get an email from him and he'll be like, hey, there's a movie out and there's this guy should be on your show. And I'll be like, really? And you go do it. There's a there's a great film. I just got a text from this guy last night. Um, Phil Donlin. There's a great baseball film called High and Outside. It's it's like an indie film, and he's a star of it. This guy's a huge White Sox fan. He's been in a ton of movies in Hollywood. I did the Q and A for for the premiere of it at the Gene Siskel Theater. You talk about things that are cool. Like that's like that was cool. And now Phil is coming to town next week. He's like, let's go grab a beer and talk baseball. Like those, those types cool. of things are dope. I had, this predates you guys. Uh, Tabitha Soren used to be a VJ on MTV. And she is an, a 90s icon, like an 80s, 90s icon. She's married to Michael Lewis, who wrote Moneyball. Um, okay. And now she's a photographer. She did a whole series on baseball. I had her on my show, and it'll eventually be an episode on the podcast. I had her on, 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 the, on my show. We talked for an hour about baseball and photographing baseball and her interview with Tupac and all sorts of stuff. And it was amazing, like amazing. So sometimes you do have to come out of your comfort zone, and you are, you, you'll be surprised at what ends up happening when you allow for differences to to play and like i'm saying like 
you two in particular, I I just in, in my mind imagine that five years from now, Matt's gonna have something that Bella's gonna gonna excel at, or vice versa, and you'll be able to call on each other, and it'll end up it'll end up being like out of sight. So like those those types of things, you never know like who you end up like working with and vibing with, and when you catch a vibe like that, it's pretty dope. The business is all about that networking. Facts. This is this is true. It is very important. It's important that you realize that you know, that that old adage of you see the same people on the same way up you see on the way down is true. And the better that you can be to people, I think the easier it is to navigate. And you don't have to love everybody. Like there's some people that are going to rub you the wrong way. You don't have to like everything, but I do think a, that there should be a healthy respect for other people's art, even if you disagree with it. And you can you can you can kind of go, hey, I don't I don't like that aspect of what they do. I'm not going to do that. I mean that that's there've been a lot of people that I've come across where I've said, I'm never going to act like that. I'm not going to do this job this way. There have been other people who I've probably prejudged, and then I got to know them. I'm like, okay, I understand why this person does this, and that that takes a little bit of time to understand and to allow yourself to grow into to some of this stuff how far into your career did you start getting the hang of things and feeling comfortable with running your own show hmm i would say i used to do a partner show and it's a few episodes back my my old partner actually is a guy named dan zampillo he runs espn 710 in los angeles now when he decided that he wasn't going to go the on-air route, that he was going to go the management route, I was devastated. Like, absolutely. Because I thought, this is it. Like, I'm 22, and I have found my partner. Like, that's amazing. That never happens. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go run stuff. And I was like, oh. So I was kind of on my own. It's Most people think that I don't want a partner, and maybe they're probably – like maybe they're right in that I'm so entrenched in my ways as a solo host that it might be difficult for me to, to at this point build a partnership. Like those things are difficult and they take time. Um, but I was crushed when he decided that he wanted to go that route. And I started to develop the idea of there's a great line. Is it? It's Buster Rhymes. He's like, if I'm not going to be the greatest, if, if I'm not going to be part of the greatest, I'm going to be the greatest myself. And that kind of drove me. Like, I was going to do me. I was going to do what ended up being at the time titled The Me Show. Like, it was used to be Me and Z. Like, the name of the show was Me and Z, The Me and Z Show. Because people were like, who are you on the show with? It was Me and Z. And when he left, I was like, oh, so now it's just The Me Show. And I just started kind of doing that. So... Man, it would be it would be really difficult to take on a partner, but I would be up for the challenge. But that was that was super hard. Like that was super hard. So a few years later, once Joe and I got together, I because most of my time in between that was covering the Bears. So I had an idea of who I was on the air, but you don't truly know until you do a bunch of shows. So I would say probably 2010. And I've become, I've become more comfortable in my own skin on air. 
I would say 2014. Like I'm, I'm super comfortable with the way that we do a show, how I prep for it, like that sort of thing. So in the last five years, like that's a weird thing to say, like that you're 38 and you still, at the time you're 38 and you're just now starting to feel a, a level of comfort. Well, do you think essentially if he had not left, you wouldn't have been who you are today? Like you would have been more of a partner person? Like, do you think it would have changed things? I, I don't know. It's a great question. Like if, if Z would have stuck around, like what would it have been? Mm-hmm. I think it would have been great. And it, even when we like you can go back and listen to the episode, even now we actually still have that thing that connects us. Like we still have, he's he is one of my in this business is it's rare that you run across people that get you from the moment that we met each other 20 years ago, like we've been on the same wavelength and he gets me. So like, even now I'll call him and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about this. He actually, Zeke should get a lot of credit because he actually focused the podcast. I was like, I want to do this podcast where I just talk about whatever I want to talk about. And he's like, that's stupid. (laughs) I'm like, why is it stupid? And he goes, well, you need to focus it. You need a hook. What's the hook? Why am I listening to you? He's like, obviously people are going to listen because they like you on the score, but they can get that on the score. So what are you going to do that's going to be different in a podcast? So we went out and had dinner. Jason Goff, who's one of my really good friends in the business as well. Like both those guys like said to me, well, how do you want to do it? Like make it more specific. And that's when I said, I want to interview. I care about media. I really enjoy learning more about media. So why don't I interview more media people? And now it's become a, a cool thing. Like people look forward to the interviews and I look forward to doing them. A lot of people are my friends in the business, but there are some people that I had no relationship with that I've interviewed so far. And I've walked away like, whoa, like that happened. Like I didn't really know Jim Rose. Like I knew of him, but I didn't really know him. And we sat down for 20 minutes and it was great. John Whiteman, who's the voice of the Blackhawks. I didn't know John. I, I knew of him and we talked for an hour and it was it was he actually told a friend of mine how much he enjoyed the conversation, like unprompted. And I was like, wow. doing something right. Must be doing. Something. But, yeah, I, I do wonder what would have happened. I also wonder what would have happened if I would have left Chicago. I've been lucky. I haven't had to leave. I'm so glad you didn't because then we wouldn't be here right now. Well, I might still be here. I may have made it back. But that's a weird thing. Like once you take that leap, like I, I have a friend, I have a bunch of friends who have left Chicago and like their whole goal is to get back here. And you could spend your whole career trying to make it back to Chicago. And sometimes I wonder if it's better to accept where you are and just make it great. Embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in, like, oh, I'm in Phoenix or I'm in San Diego. I'm going to run Phoenix. I'm going to run San Diego yeah. instead of looking for the validation we're all kind of looking for that validation looking up for the validation of being re-welcomed back home so that's kind of to answer your question that's kind of it (laughs) you guys got anything else i feel like i've rambled on this is not like a two-part episode by the way it's so interesting though it's like a two-part episode no one can get enough of you and your stories this is so much wisdom just I'm being serious because for us, like this, you are a role model, and we're gonna be following 
that career path. So it's stuff that we genuinely want to know because it's stuff that we probably will end up facing. That's why I wanted to do the the ask me anything. Like when when I'd have you guys is like I had a lesson plan for that day, but stuff would come up and I'd be like, maybe this would be a good point where I can stop and and give you guys practical advice yeah. on what you're going to be facing because the theory and stuff is great and all the work stuff is important. But part of the value of having adjunct professors, having people with real experience out in the real world, I, I think is you can draw off of it and you can find out like what should be in a contract? Should I hire an agent? What's it like to deal with program directors? What's your, what's the perfect link for a podcast? Like those sorts of things, I think are are valuable to to students. I I hope that more professors do that instead of just well, here's your assignment for this week. Yeah, and essentially at at the communications college, I so see that, and that's why I feel so blessed to be at a school like DePaul because those resources are provided for us. So you have to take full advantage of it and and really know embrace it like you like you said earlier with the whole being in right I mean you can only gain so much from a lesson plan but there are some of those jewels that you throw out or that come up in some of this more candid conversations that make the course invaluable well I thank you guys for doing this I truly do like I wanted it was on my list of things to do um that I wanted I was gonna do this in it's so weird because like some of the stuff in your mind goes differently in my mind this was one episode where it would be my students, my wife, and my producer, my one of my young producers, Tony. And then I was like, everyone gets their own episode. And now you guys are getting two episodes. Honor. <laughs> because I'm already looking at the time, and I think that's probably too long to ask anyone to listen to one. But we'll give them a part one, and then we'll give them this one uh, part two. But I'm so happy that you guys did decide you guys did a great job with the interview. Thank you so much for Thank having you. us. I mean, you got some stuff out of me that I haven't really talked about publicly. That was the goal. <laughs> I didn't want to make it boring. It's all what you guys teach us here at DePaul. I mean, yeah, what other dirt can we get? I mean, there's tons. Uh, <laughs> when here here's what I would I'd like for you guys to commit to. How about next year we do the same thing? Let's do it. Yeah. So so next year, like There'll be other experiences, and this time I'll be the one asking the questions. There'll be other experiences that you guys will have, and we'll, we can kind of talk about, like, what happened, like, what changed in, in the last 12 months or so. That's Deal? So I'm committed. Deal. All right, I'll bring donuts. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'll bring donuts next I'll time. I'll bring Zeppole. Please. Oh, and since, since we're here... How can people follow you on social media? Let's do that. So thrilled you asked. Um, Yeah, so shameless plug for myself. I'd love (laughs) if you have any interest at all in motorsports, automotive industry, science in general. My best friend and I, Stephen, we run a podcast that we film in my apartment called Cars, Life, and Everything in Between. You can find it anywhere. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, Libsyn. Uh, It's out there. We love to talk about the industry we uh, will bring on different guests. We've recently had on nuclear physicists. We've had ER trauma surgeons come on. Uh, we've had people in the nursing industry. So, I mean, we try to, you know, garner a slightly more general interest with some of our guests. But the core stuff and the core to the program is really auto industry. He's an engineer. I'm a journalist. That's what we're most passionate about. So hit us up on Cars Life and everything between. Uh, my Instagram, of course. Um, that's pretty much it for me. Bella, what do you got? 
What's your Instagram? Yeah, you didn't give it. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's my <laughs> last name. It's kind of complicated. It's weird to spell. My last name is Zaif. So the Instagram is Zaifsta. So it's my last name plus the letters S-T-A. So Z-A-I-F-F-S-T-A. Also, MatthewZaif.com. That's where I write a lot of my personal articles. I'll go out and I'll review some uh, various cars. I like to write about things going on in the industry. Most recently, I talked about some of the regulation changes in the World Endurance Championships. Uh, so I like to really hardcore nerd out. I mean, Lawrence is the <laughs> sports guy. Uh, you know, Bella is focused on soccer and just sports in general. For me, it's cars and cars and cars, and that is my focus. So if you like cars, come on, check me out. Let me know what you think. Bella? My Instagram is at Isabel Michaels, I-S-A-B-E-L-L-E, Michaels, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S. You can follow me there. Check out uh, some soccer news on there as well and on the Chicago Tribune's uh, 90 Minutes Soccer section where I am a contributor both digitally and through columns. Thank you both for this. This was a lot. This was way more than I was expecting. In a I, good way, right? No, no, hundred <laughs> percent. I was expecting us to talk for like forty-five minutes, but you guys did. You guys did great. Thank you. You did great with Thank this. You. So it's it's awesome that this was uh, that you were up to the challenge of taking this on, and and I appreciate you given. You're still in class, like <laughs> giving up some of your break to come be in yeah. here. So thanks for doing this. It, it, it means a lot to me that you guys are you guys are going to be stars. I'm I'm really I'm very glad that, that the people who listen to my podcast are getting a chance to hear you. And I hope that it turns out well where you gain some some people that will be interested in the stuff that you're doing, because I think you both are doing some really, really cool stuff. Don't make me tear up. All right, no, that that was me after the final, so I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm we not, don't want to do this again. Yeah, you guys are definitely going to be invited to do it. So thanks again for doing it. Thank, Thank you. And you. Sincerest gratitude from both of us. I mean, definitely. what a sense of validation to get asked to come onto your podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for listening to that. I'm I'm uh, I'm happy that I got to talk about some of that stuff and to let you know kind of where I'm coming from on some of these things like what my philosophies are as far as doing this in, in in an industry that can sometimes be a little can be a little weird and how how what the product that you hear on the radio and see on television and now here on the podcast like how that developed it developed with a lot of trial and error and mostly error to a point where I finally feel more comfortable with what it is I'm putting out whether it's television, radio, or here on the podcast. Sincere thanks to my students. They're, I could have picked anybody, and I feel like it would have been really good. I'm so happy that Bella and Matthew were up for doing this, and I thought that they kicked ass on it. Part two specifically, like they're, the way they ask questions and how they followed a train of thought to ask those questions I thought was really good. I have high hopes for both of them being big, big stars in this business one way or another. Let me get to some of your emails. And you can email the podcast at houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. Let's see. A lot of people are asking to go to the Wolves game. I'm going to be in touch with you. If, if, if you're picked, you're going to be in touch with you, and hopefully you can make it out to the game. So keep Saturday open at least until – you, you hear from me. This from Chris. Chris says, hey, Lawrence, been with you since day one and love all the podcasts. You've got to be the best interviewer in the city. Oh, thank you. That's nice. 
Would love for you to sit down with Peggy Kaczynski. I haven't seen much from her since she transitioned to the investigative reporter at NBC. Peggy is a true OG of Chicago sports media. She has done so much other work in TV radio, feels she would have a lot to offer. I know she's still around because I can still hear her typing at Bears Pressers. That's not her. That's not her. But if you listen to this episode, then you know that she is uh, someone that I consider a mentor. I saw Peggy at the Chicagoland Sports Hall of Fame back in September. And it was great to catch up with her. I, she's one of my favorites. And, yes, she is. For season two, I can, I can almost promise that she will be on the podcast. But thanks for your interest and thanks for the email. This is from Mike. 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 I'm not Mike. He's Mike. Mike. This is from Mike. <clears throat> hey, Lawrence, love the podcast and the show. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But can you think of any bloggers without traditional training? I think with the influx of these Team Sports City sites, there could be a fun episode about how to start off and how they become successful and what tips they would have. Don't mean to program your show, just a thought. That's for Mike. Well, maybe maybe that's a conversation I have with Julie DeCaro because she's not classically trained. She was a lawyer. And then she started, was like, ah, I like sports, so I'm going to start writing sports. There's a bunch. There's a bunch of people. And so, yeah, maybe a roundtable of bloggers like sports bloggers in the city might be kind of cool thanks for the idea that's that could be a lot of fun but yeah julie is her story her origin story is really interesting maybe that becomes an episode same thing with maggie i need to get maggie in here i make fun of maggie's voice all the time because it's the most chicago thing ever like it's 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 more chicago than the wiener circle like, it's more Chicago than demon dogs. <laughs> Maggie's voice is more Chicago than the Chicago flag itself. All right, that's enough. She's going to get mad again. This from Victor. Lawrence, big fan of your podcast. What's the deal with Kevin White? Haven't heard him mentioned since the Pats game. That's because he's been inactive. This is the end of your, what you're going to see of Kevin White. But I give Kevin White a lot of credit. He is taken to the, when he was playing, he's like, look, I'm not going to catch a lot of passes, but I'm going to go down here and and block and play hard. That's all it is. It, it, he was someone who couldn't be redeemed. Even with this regime, he couldn't be redeemed. Good luck to him, though. Seems like a nice guy. This from Doug. Doug says, Lawrence, I love the podcast. Had an idea for a potential guest. Dave Miska. Oh, baby. Dave would be interesting because I'm sure that it would end up being us talking about music because he's a big music guy. But you were right, him engineering and him engineering Cubs games. So I got to get to him before spring training starts. But you're right, Dave Miskit would be a lot of fun. Thanks for the, the suggestions. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the pod too, by the way. Thanks for the support of it. Um, I'm so excited about, like I started mapping out like guests that I want into the new year. Oh, and the White Panther episode is happening. Like, that's happening. I can't decide if it's the last episode of the year. And after what happened today, I think it's going to end up being the first episode of season two, which will start the first week of January. I think that's what's going to happen because I can tell you this as you're listening to the pod. I just finished an interview with Jake Johnson, who, Drinking Buddies, New Girl, 
now in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and it was great. We talked for like 45 minutes. I don't have a place to put that on my radio show, so guess what? Half of that conversation is coming to the House of L, and it's really good, and it's about the making of Into the Spider-Verse, and you're going to dig it. So that will be next week's episode. So that'll be what, the Christmas episode? Are we already there? Yeah. That'll end up being the Christmas episode. We'll drop it on the 26th. And then White Panther will be the first episode of the next season. But we're definitely sitting down. But again, a hearty thank you to you for your support throughout this endeavor. And keep the emails coming. Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for the support on the score. I hope you enjoyed this episode because this was one of the more difficult ones for me to do. Not that I don't like talking about myself because I I clearly do. But there were some wounds there that got opened up. So I'm glad that you uh, listened to it and hopefully you got something out of it. Thanks again to Matthew Zafe and Bella Michaels for their hard work on this. They were terrific. And thanks for listening and supporting this podcast. We'll be back with a Bears one after the Niners game. Peace!